Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows through each month. Mondays featured Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I continue to be the host for this fun discussion show on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Wednesdays feature Circle of Nature with no other than Selena Fox. The second and fourth Fridays of each month feature Songs of the Pagan Tribe hosted by Kern Greenman. Less talk, more pagan music, exploring the songs, the people, and the wonderful, inspiring world of pagan music. The third Friday of each month features Blue Marble an Echo Educational, Echo Restorational, and Echo Spirituality podcast that features adventures, stories about climate impacts with climate solutions, and how you can manifest good energy for the planet. Celebrate the next full moon online with Circle Sanctuary. The theme is Giving Thanks and takes place on Monday, November 27th. Full Moon Circles begin at 7 p.m. Central Time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, no, 6 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Pacific Times. Circle Sanctuary Full Moon Circles include invocations, music, meditations, poetry, reflections, and ritual workings. They are facilitated by Circle Sanctuary Ministers, Reverend Selena Fox and Reverend Judith Sizes plus other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those joining online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during the ritual and are invited to interact with others in the chat on YouTube. Attendance is free and no registration is required. For more information, please go to circlesanctuary.org. Scott Cunningham is an iconic figure who led the way in establishing Wicca in North America. His pioneering book, Wicca, A Guide for the Solitary Practitioner, radically altered the practice of Wicca in, this, in the United States. Tonight on Circle Talk, we're going to be talking with his sister, Christine Cunningham Ashworth, as she shares insights on Scott as a person, as well as his magical path from her new book, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken, Honoring the Life and Legacy of a Wiccan Trailblazer. Christine Cunningham Ashworth's true love is the written word. Her writing continues the legacy left by her father, novelist Chet Cunningham, and her brother Scott Cunningham, an icon of metaphysical publishing. Christine believes magic is everywhere and available to everyone. From attending to her garden and land spirits to utilizing breath as a tool for mindfulness, Christine lives her craft. She is a popular speaker at writers' conferences, as well as cardomancy conferences, as such as the International Divination Event and the Northwest Tarot Symposium. She also presents at 
pagan festivals like Phoenix Fire and Trees of Autumn Gathering. And besides this novel, she's also uh, uh, author of other books, and I'm very excited to talk to her about that. Her first novel came out in 2011. She's published over 10 novels, numerous short stories, and nonfiction essay collection, Where the Pearls and Other Bits of Wisdom. Her newest book, Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken, we're going to be talking about tonight. She's a native of San Diego. She lives with her husband, Tom, in Southern California. For, for information on Christine, follow her on Instagram, which is at Ashworth Christine, A-S-H-W-O-R-T-H-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Or her writer page on Facebook is author Christine Ashworth. Let's welcome Christine to Circle Talk. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Deborah. It's great to be here. Oh, that's so exciting. So I'm so interested. So tell us about, before we get into your newest book, tell us a little bit about the books that you've written. What type of genres and uh, what led you to start writing? Other than I read your book and you come from just a legacy of, of journalism. Yes, yes. My father um, got his master's in journalism at Columbia University in New York City. And uh, he's been writing, he was writing ever since. And when I was young, I would fall asleep to the sound of his manual typewriter in, in a couple rooms over. So, <clears throat> excuse me, writing is really, uh, it, it's not something anyone told me I couldn't do. Let me put it that way. Um, I always knew it was something I was going to do. But when I was very young, when I was in my 20s, I didn't think I was old enough <laughs> to do it. Um, I started writing uh, romance because that was my, my, I love reading romance. I yeah. love reading mysteries. I love reading uh, thrillers, but I don't have the mind for a mystery and mm -hmm. I don't have the um, heart for a thriller. So <laughs> it romances it was. It's really, that's really fun. So what inspired you to write about Scott? Uh, people. I was at uh, my very first pagan gathering was at Phoenix Fire in autumn of 2018. And I gave a presentation on, on Scott, on the, the fiction books he wrote and the, um, the kitchen which our grandmother Hazel had made him and there was about I mean of, the, of all the people that were there there was probably 200 people at total in the in the uh, gather and 10 or 12 things were going on at the same time so the fact that I had about 20 25 people there that was kind of cool um, I was it was hot I was sitting under a tree on top of a, a table and talking to people in their lawn chairs and um we we laughed and we cried and and afterwards I had people coming up to me oh gosh <clears throat> saying thank you so much for sharing about the person behind the books um you are going to write a book about him aren't you <laughs> and by the end of the weekend I think I'd had probably 50 people ask me that and my first thought was no <laughs> why would I do that you know this is silly but um by the end of the weekend I had people telling me look girl you're the only one who can you're my my dad had died in 2017 
my mom had died in 2007. And my brother, Greg, our oldest brother, Greg, he moved out of the house when I was 13 and Scott was 17. So he, he got married at 19 and moved out. And so he didn't have the experiences with Scott that I had. So I was really the only one who could do it. And uh, 2018 was a hard year for me, fiction writing wise. And then 2019 came around and um, I was, I was in kind of a burnout situation with fiction Mm -hmm. and the politics of (laughs) fiction Mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I turned to writing the book about Scott. So that's how that happened. I um, read the book. It's very good. And it's interesting because it's not simply, and um, I feel like I learned as much about you as I did Scott reading it. And so, uh, uh, and so that was really interesting. And you, there are um, information that other people write and, and, but you write it as a story of aspects of your life. And that was really interesting. It's, I encourage the readers, it's a really good read, but it's very, it's very, very interesting. And, and you're, um, I can tell you're a romance writer, your descriptions are very good and you feel like you're there. And again, when you talk about um, the 60s and early 70s, that's when I was a child also. And, and you talk about things and Christmas and, and I could have seen myself there so talk up a little bit how you decided about that writing stocks it's very good um well <clears throat> I'd been writing I had a blog a wine blog for a long time and then when I didn't have a, a full-time job that's that's kind of what I did to keep my hand in mm-hmm. and um then writing fiction and then I got the full-time job and I started I think 2015 I guess I started um really having feelings <laughs> about uh politics and relationships and the world and my place in the world and you know can't we all just be nice to each other and so yeah. I would go on these I would go on these very personal rants on Facebook and um they didn't you know they didn't garner much attention except from anybody that already knew me so that was great <laughs> and uh so when you have a, it, that kind of trained me uh, how to write the book about Scott, because I had to, I couldn't, if it was dryly factual, mm-hmm. nobody would read it. And I actually had the book at one point in chronological order and um, I was getting ready to to send out the proposal and it wanted bits of the you know the beginning of the book and I looked at the beginning of the book already to cut and paste and I went oh my god this is so boring nobody in the world is gonna buy this book I'm gonna have to self-publish it and and me and and my brother Greg will buy a book and that'll be it Um, so it so I did a lot of rearranging and it, it wasn't that I set out I set out to tell a story because mm-hmm. it is a story, but it's a true story. And when I first started writing, I would just sit down 
And okay, for instance, I had boxes of stuff from my dad's house and they were cluttering up the house. My husband very kindly asked me to start unboxing and going through stuff and throwing stuff away. But I had gotten down to the bottom of this one box and I found Scott's wallet and I just lost it. So I sat down and I pulled up my document and I started a new page and I titled his wallet. Mm-hmm. And I wrote everything down that I was feeling mm-hmm. about seeing that wallet. Mm-hmm. And what was and your def- journey through grief, which I, <clears throat> yeah. it's very personal. It's your journey through grief. <clears throat> definitely. So, and, the, and then after I was done, I just pushed away from it and, and walked away. Um, so every time I went to write, I would just start with a new page and say, okay, what am I going to write today? You know, what, what, what can I dive headlong into right now? And so that's how the book came about. It was Mm -hmm. always written that way, but it wasn't always structured the way it is right now. um, Interesting, because it is, it's written like a collection of short stories about Scott and I hadn't really thought about that until you said that oh and I also want to tell you I remember from reading the book I also do not delete people who I loved when they passed I have their cell phone numbers in my um, phone so when you read that 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 did make me smile because I also I have my dad's and and someone close to me passed away and I have his also so yeah I was very familiar yeah it is grief is is a hard journey so um, I liked how you start the book, which was interesting because some of that I haven't done for myself. You start the book with, if I remember, Scott by the numbers, and you talk about his natal chart, you talk about numerology and his different numbers, and that was very interesting before you get into the stories to kind of see what the universe said about Scott. Talk to us about how that came about. Well, I had gotten some early feedback that uh, the book wasn't interesting enough. Um, this was, like I said, early feedback. And I was, I reached out to my little circle of friends and I said, help, <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody read this other than me and tell me what it's missing. Just, just tell me what it's missing. And my friend Beverly Frable read it within a week and she came back and she said, I love it just the way it is, but you might, you know, I'm really interested in, in his astrological chart. I would love to know more about that. And then I started talking to other people and somebody said, well, what about his numerology? You know? Um, And so Nancy Hendrickson was suggested to me for doing his numerology we were Facebook friends but I didn't know her at the time so I reached out and she was very gracious and she said yes she'd be, she'd love to do it and Benabel Wen did his um, astrology chart astrological chart and so once I had those two pieces um, I just started well you know maybe more isn't wrong <laughs> so I started talking to people that I knew and um, about the book and, and how I'd like their opinion. Dorothy Morrison. I have known Dorothy Morrison. Oh, golly. Um, probably 25 years now. We've never met in person. We've talked on the phone. We've emailed. We, you know, we're friends on Facebook and everywhere you can be friends on now. 
and um, I adore her. And I said, you know, would you put Scott into historical perspective because of the way you grew up? And she said, sure. And she wasn't writing at the time. Um, so the fact that she was willing to do that for me just blew me away. Uh, and I, I adore that piece by her. She's, she's just amazing. Um, and, and the more people I talk to, it, it seems like this kind of had a, a ripple effect. I mean, uh, I asked James Devine if he would write something about Scott mm -hmm. and finding Scott at a young age. And he did. And he said, that was the first thing I've ever been able to finish. And I thought, wow. And it's, it's, Compliment. you know, yeah, it, it uh, I felt like Scott kind of like, you know, wiggled his brain open. Um, my editor, Judica Illis approached Nicholas Pearson Walsh and Nicholas mm -hmm. had been having a slump and not mm -hmm. being able to write. And she said, would you be interested? And he said, yes. And so that got his um, He's mojo just going. going again. Yeah. yeah. So um, everybody, almost everybody that I asked said yes. A couple of people couldn't for whatever reason, which is fine. Um, but when I first sent it to uh, Wiser, I had my part and then everybody else's part at the end because I didn't know what to do with it. And um, when the copy editor got done with it, she's the one that arranged it the way it is now. Absolutely. It and just wonderful. So there's a short story by you and then there's then there's a, um, a memory or an experience by someone else. And, and again, these are all um, elders or writers within the pagan community and so they're very well known so it's it's um it's done very good did i i know that um were you earth-centered or did you research that path um with scott or did he ever know that that was something you were drawn to also um i don't know what he knew <laughs> um it it, it our family was kind of earth centered uh, because of my dad coming from farmers right. and uh, once the kids all left the house, he turned the backyard out of, instead of a play area, it became farmland, which was great. Talk about the cabin that you all went to for years. Oh. And yeah. 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 The cabin, the, the cabin, it's just, the cabin gave us place to just be. Mm -hmm. we didn't have to there were no ordinary chores there were you know there were the chores were different you know it was it was you know raking and sweeping and making sure there was a, a fire perimeter around the cabin mm -hmm. um the land is owned by the state but the cabin was owned by my parents and it came with a 99 year lease on the land and I think that's pretty standard for the Laguna Mountains up there. But it was just, it was a place we could breathe, you know. Mm -hmm. There was nobody else. It was just us. We had friends up. Um, 
we could do whatever we wanted. I usually packed lots of books and very minimal, you know, jeans and t-shirts and whatever. It's and, funny uh, you talk about as a young boy, Scott knew the names of the wildflowers and the trees. And, and so I'm sure he began without knowing it, he began his journey there. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he began his journey when my parents made the cross country trek from, uh, Michigan to California when he was like three. Oh wow. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um yeah, because I mean the the plains, you drive through some of those areas and it's it makes an impression. I mean, it made an impression on me when I was nine. I can only imagine what kind of an impression it made on him when he was three, three or four. But I mean, it, it was always, whenever we camped, it was, you know, um, uh, take, take nothing and leave nothing but footprints or something, you know, it was always clean up wherever the place we're in, uh, don't throw litter, don't, don't, you know, leave the place better than it looked when you arrived, um, and it didn't matter where we were camping. That's that was my dad's motto. So funny. I was gonna say you talk about <clears throat> Scott being very private. Um, I um, I actually have his herb video. I had well, they were VHS tapes. It tells you how old they are. And so, but I um, and I realized I need to get a VHS player so I can play those. But um, there's a lot of snippets on YouTube. So I watch YouTube um, because, again, I've got all of his books and read them and have read them for, you know, 100 years. But um, I don't know that I've spent a lot of time seeing him or hearing mm -hmm. him speak. And he's very polite. At least he was on this show. I found a clip of him on the uh, Sarah uh, Raphael, Jessica Raphael show from like 1987 with Ray Buckland and Selena Fox and him. And he's a very eloquent speaker, um, yeah. very respectful, um, but very um, strong in his beliefs. And it was very interesting to see all of them with different beliefs and, and, um, someone in the audience um you know asked him and he basically said they all said no faith is for everyone and he said i was looking for a faith that satisfied me and then when he found it he wanted to make sure everyone else had access to it which was his motivation to writing and so i thought wow so um and he was he was a prolific author and um taking us away from us way too soon do you at the time during this process do you think he did he have any inkling of the impact he would have on the on the um i mean the world the wiccan world the spiritual world i don't think so um uh, he seemed a very yeah. humble man and yeah. watching him on clips and youtube he was very <clears throat> Very firm in his beliefs, but very humble. He, um, he 
had so many books you wanted to write. And um, I mean, uh, the Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner was his 10th book. Oh, wow. What yeah. was his first book? Because uh, he wrote other things besides metaphysical books. Uh, well, yes, but I don't have those at my yeah. fingertips. Yeah, it no, was, I just, it was but, one for um, carousel books, I think. I don't yes, remember the name of it. That's interesting. But his first book with Llewellyn was Magical Herbalism, The Secret Craft of the Wise. And that came out in 82. That's and funny. He, I didn't realize it was his. I always thought the yeah. Solitary Practitioner was his first book and it wasn't. Isn't yeah, that interesting? And then he had Earth Power. Um, I remember that. And Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. The magic right. of incense oils and brews. Brews, I've got that. Yeah, I've got them. I probably have all his books. All his <laughs> the magical books, household. Yeah. Um, the herb magic video is actually on DVD now. Oh, I'll yeah. have to rebuy it. But yes, I have yeah. an an old old VH VH and and again VHS. Yeah, he, I've got one too. He he wrote in a time where there really wasn't internet. Um, yeah. there were there weren't that many books. I mean. There was him, Starhawk, Graven. I mean, there there really wasn't like there is now. I mean, he, you know, he was so important to he for wants, many of us. He was the only access we had to this faith. Yeah, he he wrote the books that he wanted to read. Um, that he wished he had. He did a lot of uh, mostly male correspondence with. Mm-hmm. with other writers and um uh herb shops and things back east um very few phone calls because phone calls were expensive and you so, talk about that in the book your family yeah. didn't call a lot because it was so it was expensive it was um and that's not something you get out of the habit of <laughs> when you when you just learn to not call people right. you just that doesn't change just because right. the technology has changed which is unfortunate um but he um no i don't th- i don't think he knew all he knew is he had to get this information out mm-hmm. and he when he was first diagnosed with aids he was so mm-hmm. angry because he knew he had didn't have a lifespan right and he was he finished the edits on the hawaii book that did not come out until after he passed away mm-hmm. um and there were a couple others that didn't come out until after he passed away but then there were some that they revamped and did a different cover for so um but he was so angry so angry because he just like I, you don't understand, Chrissy. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I don't have time. And there's too much for me to do. And too many people need this information. And I don't have time. And it just, it just ruined me. I mean, you know, I didn't understand at the time. I do right. now. Right. But, you know, at the time, there was no way I could. So, um, and again, I watched, I spent all day yesterday. Again, I read your book. I stayed up late in the night just reading your book. It was very good. So I encourage our listeners. It would be a great Christmas present for people because it's it's very good. But again, I got interested in him. And so I watched a bunch of clips on YouTube. And uh, he had a sense of humor. 
yeah. Very understated. Somebody was not being disrespectful, but they were saying, you know, you know, witches have brooms and and did you um, get here on a broom? And without meets and beat, very sweetly, he said, actually, I flew here on Southwest. And the audience just cracked up. It was <laughs> like you couldn't unnerve him. He was very witty. Yeah. He had a very um, snarky sense of humor. Oh, that's so fun. Uh, yeah. And you wouldn't think that. I mean, he seems a spiritual icon who's holy <laughs> and he's snarky. I mean, I just really love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. My um, my husband was, was musical theater dancer. So he uh -huh. was in a lot of musicals and a lot of musical uh -huh. theater dressing rooms for the chorus uh -huh. boys. And uh, Scott had chorus boy dressing room banter down to a T. So oh, a lot of times so Scott and, and Tom would be, <laughs> we'd be at a family function and they'd be bantering back and forth. And none of us would understand what they were talking about. So because fun. it was in that it was in that um that coded the genre, language. yeah. <laughs> That's but, so uh, fun. Yeah. And it was funny, uh, um, I watched another clip and I thought this was so insightful of him because again, he was, um, and when I, and it, it fitted so perfectly when I read your book, he was very down to earth with this path. And it seemed to him, he, he felt it was wondrous because nature was wondrous, but he wanted to take it out of the reach of a few and he wanted everyone to have access to this yeah. information and somebody asked him um um what should you do how how do you become wiccan what do you do and he said um like christians have a holy book you know jewish people have a holy book you read you get everything you do you read and then you go outside and you watch the leaves turn i mean he was very eloquent and yeah. um and like i said very humble and uh yeah and it's i mean and it was in these clips it was very evident his faith was very very strong and a core yeah. part of his personality would you say that was accurate yes absolutely but he lived his faith absolutely he just didn't, he just didn't write about it yeah no no if he didn't live it he couldn't have written about it yeah mm -hmm. he was that kind of person um, he, <laughs> yeah, he, if, yeah, I mean, he did research at the wazoo, but uh, it, when it comes right down to it, it he believed a hundred percent and he lived a hundred percent his faith, which you can't ask for anymore. Really. No, it's nice. Did your, any of your perceptions change? Uh, about him or the work he did um, as you were after you wrote this book I mean you must have like what are some things that you found out about him that you didn't know oh I didn't find anything out <laughs> you knew everything um, that's good well it's it I wasn't on a fact-finding mission you know mm -hmm. I wasn't talking to people this is me this is my memory mm -hmm. um, my childhood growing mm -hmm. up with my brother I I didn't um I didn't really because anything worth knowing probably would have been something he wanted to keep secret and I am not about to 
Absolutely. Spills, spill secrets that aren't mine. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Um, but that said, I will say that I did not really get to know him until after he passed away mm-hmm. um, from reading his books. And I didn't read mm-hmm. his books during the, while he was alive because... Mm-hmm. You know, it's he was it's your what brother. My family did. They wrote books. You know, they, yeah. You know, he was your brother. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, there. Th- you're not a celebrity in your own family, right? You know, um. But I wish I had. I wish I had read them. And I still haven't gotten through all of them because there's so, there's so many. I have so many books around here. I can't even tell you. I'm afraid I can't show you smoosh my camera because you'd be horrified at how messy my desk is. Um, but a reading, reading is if I think maybe the best way is to have somebody take you by the hand and teach you, but that is not a path forward for most of us. Mm-hmm. He was lucky. He found mm-hmm. somebody while he was in junior high school mm-hmm. who knew people mm-hmm. who were Wiccan. He was lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, he started reading mm-hmm. and reaching out and doing some very dry uh, investigative, you know, mm-hmm. on on plants and Mm -hmm. minerals and rocks and oils and you know all that stuff and he wanted he really wanted to share that Mm -hmm. and i you know (coughs) sorry i lost my train of thought (laughs) it was very obvious in your book how much that um that um that your parents greg scott and you had a wonderful family union and you all grew up and lived in love and that was very very nice thought even though for me his life was cut way too short he had experienced loved and knew what it was to be loved and supported and that's and that i think that's probably that gave him um, the foundation to be able to be so free as to and to share. Do you know what I mean? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my, my parents, they were, they were wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. um, he lived in the orange Avenue apartment until the owner of our, we were, it was above a, an ammo shop, a gun shop, and something else next to it. And the owner of our apartment had owned the gun shop. And mm-hmm. one day some guy came in and shot the owner. And mm-hmm. so Scott thought that was a good time to find someplace else to live. Mm-hmm. So he moved closer to our parents and um, which my dad was happy about. Mm-hmm. And then when he could no longer live alone Mm -hmm. he moved into my my old bedroom Mm -hmm. and uh and my parents take my dad took care of him Mm -hmm. yeah that's gotta have been that's gotta have been very hard because 
I mean, you write in the book, you were uh, a new wife, you were a young mother. I mean, um, I think all of us find that, um, again, as someone who's lost people very close to them, people who are young. I mean, life doesn't stop just because grief happens. You have to just kind of get through it. You do a really good job of sharing that in Thank the you. in the book. So, um, so how it seemed like your husband was also close to Scott in the in the book. You talk of you. It's a very quaint story, charming story when you tell Scott that you're going to be getting married. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he he kind of figured that was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, but. <clears throat> it was it was the day of the wedding and I think we just had the, the rehearsal and the breakfast and and it was we it was an early afternoon wedding mm-hmm. and he came up to me and he said are you sure you want to go through the through with this you sure because you know I got a car That's I, I so can funny. I can drive you away that is very Scott <laughs> I said no I'm I'm sure I'm sure so fun that's very scott yeah yeah so what will you tell your children when they get older about their uncle oh my kids are in their 30s (laughs) oh they are oh see when i read your book they were little so i'm like in your that's so funny because I'm reading your book and they're little. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Um, my oldest actually met Scott, knew Scott. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one photo I cannot find for the life of me. And it's, it's that last Thanksgiving that we were all together. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, bending down to talk to little Chet. And Chet had a, a plastic guitar and he was like doing doing this and they look so cute together but I can't I can't find that photo ever and it just drives me crazy but um they know I mean I've got I've got his books out mm-hmm. on on my bookshelf I've got a little I, I it's it's my um banner on my personal page on Facebook mm-hmm. a little altar to Scott and uh they're, they're excited about the book as much as kids get excited to, you know, you're, you're not a celebrity in your own home. Not in your own home. <laughs> town, no. um, and uh, they knew he's gay. We have, uh, we have on Tom's side of the family, one of their cousins is gay and another mm-hmm. one is transgender. So mm-hmm. they are, they are woke i guess is a good way to put it they are they are really cool human beings and um yeah not, <laughs> they, still, and again, they still live with us because you know it's southern california who can afford to live in, in southern california absolutely and i think that um scott would have um loved this time a lot of the prejudices and the things secrecy he had to endure because of his lifestyle would be no big deal now. I mean, again, I look at my children and grandchildren and it's like, 
you know, being gay for them is like having brown hair or blue yeah. eyes. It's just that's who you are. And it doesn't really mean anything. And I, I think he would have, um, you know, I think he can he see us from where he is. And so I think, I think that would have been wonderful for him to have lived in that kind of environment and not have yeah. to deal with all of that. Because when he was writing too, there was still amongst the, it was still the, a lot of uh, stigma. Well, the satanic panic was going on as well. Yeah. So he was in two closets, not one. And that's funny and... because I have interviewed um, several authors who um, are not only pagan, but also have an alternate lifestyle, like they're gay. And they say that. They say it's really hard to live in the closet. Try living in two. And yeah. it's it's just you know, half your friends don't like this half about you, the other half don't like this about you. And so, so again, and so I will say, um, I mean, kudos to Scott for having the courage to do this in those circumstances in a time when it really wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't very safe no, to, uh, to be uh, pagan, to be Wiccan and or gay. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not something I thought about until I read your book and really thought about it. But he, um, I don't know that he would have thought of himself as this, but I consider him very courageous. He was really brave to do what he did. I agree. And, and I agree. I don't think he would have considered himself brave. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and I think he would be pleased at the progress and frustrated at the lack of progress at the same time right <clears throat> all right so i wonder how you would have liked the internet everything is so accessible and quick and yeah then it wasn't yeah he would have been an early adopter i mean he was an early adopter he um when my dad uh got a new computer his old terrace 80 went mm -hmm. to scott um you know, my dad's, uh, before he got his computer, he had a Selectric 3 typewriter that had nine pages of memory. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. All, you all, your family are early adopters. <laughs> yeah, all, all of his chapters were nine pages long. Oh, that's funny. And I mean, we were one of the first people on the block to get a color TV set. So Fun. our family was an early adopter. adopter we, didn't, yeah. we didn't fall for the eight track thing though. Right. We did not fall for the eight track. That's so funny. <laughs> very, very happy about that. But he was on, he was on bulletin boards and back in the, in the early nineties, mm -hmm. um, late eighties, early nineties. So he, yeah, he would have been, I like to think he would be very similar to Selena. He would have been, he would be out there doing public absolutely um, absolutely on, on instagram and you know and and spreading spreading love and you know that's absolutely so and again i saw this clip from a, a talk show in the 80s so uh again next time i've talked to selena i'm gonna ask her so it's obvious that she knew scott and I didn't realize that until, like I said, I start doing research and, and watching clips. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Selena was a, <laughs> a young, young girl. So it was yeah. just really, really fun to um, to watch them and watch all the the respect. So, um, you know, many folks say that Ray Buckland is the one who bought um, Wicca to the United States, which I believe that's probably true. But I think it's Scott who brought it to the masses. 
who I, really, I really inspired folks. Like I said, that was one of the um, early books that, I mean, I had um, Starhawk and, and I had other books, um, The Spiral Dance, I had Marco Adler's, but Scott's book for me, and again, the um, uh, Solitary Practitioner was almost like a cookbook that I could do this. And he kind of walked you through the path mm -hmm. and that, and it was, it didn't, you're not talking about a lot of fancy ingredients or it's just, he, he, he um, took a path that I was interested in and he made it spiritual and attainable. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He, um, there's a kindness in his huh. words that mm -hmm. and 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 an encouragement in his words that mm -hmm. underlies everything i think he's ever written and i respect that so much mm -hmm. um because it 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 does give you hope oh i i i'm not helpless i can mm -hmm. i can do this i can figure this out so you know i think uh, he's amazing i miss him <laughs> I can only imagine. I um, I miss him writing more books. I pulled out some of his books to read. Just again, I was trying to familiar myself for this interview. And um, something else that I noticed, um, some writers have, everybody has different personalities. And some writers basically will say, okay, this is the way. You do this, you do this, you do this. And Scott writes very clearly, and I hadn't realized it before, this is one way. Mm -hmm. This works for me. Try it for you, which again is very gentle um, reassurance and guides you and doesn't say this is the only way. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I found that in his books. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he, <clears throat> he got, um, he took a lot of crap for that. Tell me about a that. A lot of crap for that. Uh, he, from, they just, for other, from other Wiccan authors, pagan authors, or um, community, you think? or The community didn't like him being so open. Mm -hmm. They yeah. wanted to keep everything in tight control. Yeah. And, um, and I... Especially in the time period he wrote, it yeah. was solitary, and he really <laughs> focused on people individual and um the coven or grove mentality was really big in yeah. that time period that he wrote well the thing is you you don't always know when you find people if they're safe right and you don't always find people to connect with so there were all there was this this hunger out there and it's you can you can see it started up again when COVID hit and we shut down there was this hunger for <clears throat> for this knowledge for um spiritual connection and mm -hmm. and and without having to be with other people mm -hmm. and um because I mean if you're in I don't remember what I think Dorothy Morrison is in parts of Texas. Hmm. You know, you don't go around Texas telling people you're a witch in the 1970s. No. 
You just you don't. Now that you do it now. <laughs> <laughs> you still got to be careful where you are. Right. Um, but that what he did was he gave people who had nothing around mm-hmm. them and no support. Mm-hmm. He gave them something tangible to mm-hmm. forge their own path, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, find that spirituality inside them earth-based mm-hmm. and I, I that can't be understated it really can't overstated it can't be it can definitely be understated it can't be overstated um he was an amazing he was an amazing person funny i watched him on another talk show i think it was michigan something it was a talk show and somebody um it was funny people are like okay you do magic so like do magic for us and 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 i guess had said well you know you wouldn't have the pope on and ask him to do a mass i mean that's just not how it works this is a spiritual practice and um somebody said well um could you do a working or a spell like for higher ratings and scott very very quickly um said something that was also a core belief of mine he said magic doesn't work if you don't back it up with physical effort so we can do energy and we can do things to help your ratings but you got to do the work and have compelling shows or it's not going to go anywhere and everybody you know the audience laughed but i thought how profound at such an early age that he realized that yeah yeah uh I, I think this is in the book. You, people talk a lot about manifesting and um, it was a big thing in the, in the seventies, you know, manifesting and, and the whole, yeah. And so my husband was going to a uh, performing arts school down in San Diego. And one of his classmates wanted to be this famous actor. So he would go out into his backyard every morning, smoke pot, sit in lotus position mm-hmm. and meditate on, on, and manifesting this, this mm-hmm. wonderful career, mm-hmm. but he never went out on auditions. That's right. You know, he did do a resume. Yeah. If you, yes. if you don't do you, if you don't go out on auditions, you're not going to get the work. Right. You know, you got to back it up with action. You have to. Right. Right. But again, that's a very profound thing that I don't think you heard much in the 80s when he was writing book. And again, it was so it was so immediate that you could tell that was a core belief of his. So, yeah, it was really, um, really wonderful. So. um, So, yeah, I wish I had known him. Like I said, watching the clips gave me a better feel. And um, um, it's interesting because I don't know that I had heard his voice before. And Raymond Gramasi, years ago, um, I talked with him after a workshop, and he said, once you hear an author speak, the next time you read their book, you hear um, the book and, and, their, and, their, and their words. You hear their, their speaking. Their voice, yeah. So I thought, I know, I'm going to have to go back through and reread Scott's <laughs> books and, and hear his words. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I'm, this is, I'm so excited that you did this and, and, uh, I would like to thank you on behalf of the community. I think this, your book is going to be a treasure. And, and, uh, since I also, like many others believe 
um, what is remembered lives. So yeah. I think you're just carrying on his, uh, his legacy. Thank you. Oh, and I do have good news. Tell um, me. Tantor has hired me to do my own narration for the book. Oh, that, so it's also going to be an audiobook. <gasps> that is, I'm a big audiobook girl. So that is yeah. really, really nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, when I'm do you excited. start that project? I don't know. <laughs> the contract's been signed. Um, I, I, we're kind of going back and forth on dates. They're really busy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, that's really fun. Have you done an audiobook before? No. No, but my husband oh. has, and we have a yes. booth and yeah. I've done a lot of, um, because he's an actor and during COVID, right. all the auditions were self-tapes, right? but he got very good at doing self-tapes and I was always the other person in the, right. in the <laughs> scene with him. So, I mean, I wasn't on camera, but I was doing the voice work. So it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's all good. It's going to be great. That will be wonderful too. Oh, that will be, that will be very nice because you're going to get your own emotion as you retell these stories yeah. that I don't think uh, someone else who wasn't related could. So that should be really, really fun. Do you have anything else going in? Do you have a new book that you're working on or anything else germinating in your head? I do. Um, I'm working on a series of <clears throat> uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's um, paranormal, <clears throat> paranormal like women, women's fiction, mm -hmm. um, slow burn over lots of books and things happen, mm -hmm. and, you know, so I, I, I'm in talks with the publisher. I don't have a contract yet and I won't mm -hmm. until I finish the first book. So I'm hoping to finish the first book by the end of this year. Wow. You're giving yeah. yourself a deadline. It's girl. It's November. I know. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun. Well, thank you so much. I can't believe our time is almost at an end. You were a wonderful guest. And, oh. and again, I am very, very excited about this book. I think it's going to do great. And I look to see what you do in the future. Thank you so much, Deborah. It was wonderful being here. So, and remember everyone, um, I know you're going to love this book as much as I do. It is Scott Cunningham, The Path Taken, Honoring the Life and Legacy of a Wiccan Trailblazer. So um, please look it up. And again, I want to give you a, a thank you again for giving us a personal look of this beloved Wiccan elder. Thank you. Besides. Besides Christine, I want to thank Dave, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I want to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Net Network Podcast or CSNP. Would you like to learn how to achieve balance, fulfillment, and magic in your home? Then join us on our next Circle Talk on November 21st as we chat with Leslie A. Morrison about her new book, In the Spirit of, uh, in the spirit of Home, practical ways to create your perfect haven. You won't want to miss this show. I look forward to being with you all again, so please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. 
please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN Podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.